episode 50. Can't pull that off. <laughs> All right, you ready? I'm Clay Lowe. And I'm Sarah Beth Hunt. You're listening to the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast. Where we get together once a week over coffee to talk about the big questions of life. Let's get into the show. And then we're here. We're here. How you doing? Hey, everybody. We've reached <laughs> our... Number 50. Number 50. We're getting old. Yeah. Ancient. That's awesome. Half a century. Congratulations. Yes. Cheers to us. Yeah. Hey, cheers. Coffee cheers cup, to everybody. Boom, Cling. Number there we 50. Go. I dig that. That's good. We've been, we've been uh, kicking around for a long time. There's 50 discussions now that we've had. Um, are we any wiser? Are we any wiser? That is the question. Or is it just loopholes amongst loopholes amongst loopholes that we just keep opening and never, ever going to be able to close? Let's let that be the one question we never ask ourselves. We right. just keep going. We just keep going. I was just yeah. listening to um, Closing Time coming in mm. so is this closing time this is the last episode no this is opening time no we're going to be like Seinfeld when we do our final episode we're only at, <laughs> we're only at about you know 10 o'clock in the morning yeah I we, think in okay. our day so we can still keep on rocking the horizon is bright we have a awesome awesome but hey listen today. listen we've got to promise each other if there is an afterlife right so if one of us dies oh god the okay, other, okay here I am here you, I am Clay either one what of us we, we've got to come back from the grave to do this the show is and that I, really what I'm going to come back here for? Yes. yes. All right. We got to do. If I don't want to haunt anyone. No. Well, you can go haunt them or? afterwards, but <laughs> then we can follow up and close a loop on some topics about what is in the Oh, after. right. Yeah. It'll be like episode after. Yes. Exactly. Afterward. Afterwards. And you can come back and let me know what the real deal is. Is this okay. Buddhism stuff the right thing or is my existential thing the right thing or... What? It's all one. It's all one. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, so what's our topic today? Talking about stories, because that uh, was a fanciful story, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, when you sent me the idea of stories, you know, it's like, you know, hanging a brownie in front of me and saying, do you want this? Like, yes, I want to talk about the importance of stories. No, actually, Thank I you for asking. to save it, but how you much was like, time, no way, I'm not saving that. How much time that. do you have? <laughs> yeah. That, that wasn't even, that my intent was it because it came into my head and I just like, oh yeah, we can do it for a later episode, but then you came right no, back. No, I was it's like, like, yeah, no, that's oh, it. Oh, we're doing that one. <laughs> yeah, it feels like a celebratory. So, um, yeah, how stories make us human? Yes. That is a topic of a very good book that I started listening to. I don't do audiobooks a lot, but mm-hmm. I like them sometimes. Like that one particularly, I couldn't get it on the ebook, so I went audio because I wanted instant gratification. And, but I was listening to um, the book. I can tell you the author in a second, <laughs> maybe. It's Jos- Jonathan Gottskall. That's it, yeah. And, uh, Me with my notes. The story, the, exactly. You with your notes. <laughs> the story, <laughs> the, hum, the, the human animal, the human storytelling human, or the storytelling story animal. animal. I'm listening to the book and I can't even get the title right. But yes, the storytelling animal, how stories make us human. Um, before coming on to that topic, um, I think I sent you another quote from a blog post I was reading, and it was about how stories shape, it was about myths shaping our consciousness that stories are stories and myths are the software of our consciousness yeah and i think the blog post that i was looking at was like you know the vikings we have a a mythology about the vikings and they're being fierce and the guy's question was well what if someone was looking at 21st century man what are they going to be what is our myth to them that they'll be looking and saying oh yeah the humans of that time were x and what is that 
what was that? And he was kind of going towards the... The transition to cyborgs, maybe. Well, that we were very fearful, like fearful mm. creatures and, you know, scared of everything kind of thing, as opposed to fierce warriors of the Vikings, you know, send tri- tri- tremors <laughs> um, to people. And it just got me thinking, okay, well, how does that translate on a personal level? Then what are the mythologies and stories of, our, of my mind? I was thinking, what do I have that's part of my operating system that's affecting how my decision-making affected my behaviors um, on a day-to-day basis. So what are the myths that I live by, in, in, in essence, the stories that I live by? That's kind of where... This came from. Came from, yeah. Yeah, yeah nice. I like it. I'm an author, so... All right, well, cool. So, you know, one of the um, things that was raised as the, one of the importance of stories is how easy it is for us to remember story compared to just facts. Yeah. So if we want to get information into someone else's brain or we want to communicate something, and politicians know this really well and public speakers know this really well, instead of doing bullet points, we're much more likely to take on information if it's in packaged in a story. And it doesn't even, the information I don't think doesn't even need to be explicit. No, absolutely. It, 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 we change its form and, and turn it into a kind of parable. And I think that is, you know, and if you think about all of the spiritual books and all the, the books in religious traditions that are really meant as a guide to life, basically, like mm. the Bible's a guide to life, isn't it? And the Torah and the, you know, Quran and all these, these texts, they're full of stories. They're not full of like bullet, bullet points. points. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, we're not, you know, the people who wrote these stories down, you know, they're not immune to knowing and understanding the importance of stories and that, you know, we can take almost a deeper meaning from a story than we can from trying to explain it factually. Yeah, I think there's some, like, I, one of the courses I teach is around do, uh, influence and how to, you know, influencing course, but it is that, and public, uh, doing presentations and the best thing is, as you just mentioned, is telling stories for a number of reasons. One, if I tell you a fact straight out, then it goes through your critical filters, mm. and then you can say yes, no, and deny. If I tell you a story, it goes around the critical filter because it's just a story, but in order for you to relate to the story, you put yourself into the story, and then... Ooh, all, that's really interesting. Yes, and then, you know, so the message that I'm trying to get to you goes, bypasses the critical filter, and you find Is that what you were doing when you were trying to convince me to come back from the afterlife to do this podcast? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> it did bypass most of my critical yeah, filters. and then you were right in it. And also, when I was in part of the book, I was reading uh, The Storytelling Animal. He was saying how some people are saying, like, authors are like painters. But he said, actually, authors are more like uh, sketch artists or draw- drawers as opposed yeah. to painters. So they're very clever at giving you just enough yeah and then you and fill then in you fill in so reading isn't actually passive it's very active because you're filling in yeah. the the details you're filling in the, your own experience of life gets filtered into the story as well now as a writer myself there's a you know i'm listening to podcasts and reading all kinds of stuff in that kind of space and there's a whole group of of people in the media kind of heralding the end of story, isn't it? So it's like, 
you know, people aren't reading anymore. And there's, there's very little evidence for this. Mm. But I think in our modern age, we like to think that we're so busy that we're not sitting down like the people of your and on our rocking chairs and reading our novels by candlelight in the evening because there's nothing else to do. Like you were saying, even on your text, we're very busy and we don't have as much leisure time necessarily to read. But actually, we're consuming stories all, all the of the time. Most of the day. Well, Even you know, when we're dreaming. Yeah. So, you know, even, you know, and whether that's like been translated now into the dominance of like TV programs and we see the this new trend that's come up in the past like five years I would say maybe a bit longer but of the series of television shows where it's not just sitcoms you know and you can kind of watch them but we're talking return to an epic level yeah. of story but also you know anytime you're consuming um, you know news you're consuming advertisement you're talking to your friends you're thinking in your own head Everything that you're doing, it's very rare that we're just dealing with facts outside of a story. And here's the thing about that, story. is that there's a lot of fiction even in fact. So yes, you may be watching a news program that's meant to be objective and factual, but if you pay attention to the language and the narrative that the reporter creates, they're creating a story in your mind to which you have to participate and bring your own um, self into that. And yes, what do we say to people when we greet them? Yeah, what's up, what's happening, how you doing? So we're creating already a space for us to start to fill in a narrative. Yeah. And one of the um, points that, uh, how do you pronounce his name? Gosh, Goshloff? I don't know. Jonathan, I'll say Jonathan. Um, says in his book is that a lot of even the stories that we are telling each other, like when you say what's up, are embellished to some extent. extent. Mm. Um, they're never going to be 100% factual because our brains aren't wired that way anyway. Plus, can you actually... Like, I asked you, what did you have for breakfast? And I you told gave, it in the story of The Hobbit. You told it in the story of The Hobbit. Because <laughs> I had three breakfasts. But if, you, if I asked you to recount what happened this morning... you Like, factually, be quite boring. Well, not even that. You wouldn't even... It would not actually be exactly what happened... It's going to be your memory of what happens no. and our memories, of course. Because, of course, you know, I, I know that as a writer, for me, when I'm like thinking of my own story that I'm writing in my head, there's a lot of events that I see play out between the characters in my head that are not don't make it onto the, the page because they're not that important. And so a writer's job to create an interesting and kind of dramatic story that keeps you wanting to read is to pick out the important events and kind of tell them in a compelling way. Conflict. And, but, um, you know, I think that we do that, like you're saying, when someone says, you know, what's going on, we do exactly the same thing. We pick out the things. But know, I don't even think we do that. We don't, no, we probably don't necessarily not, yeah. do it consciously as well. I think no. it's an unconscious sort of space that 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 sort of happens in um the other thing if we talk about stories is, and you're right is like we daydream so our daydreams you know, a fact in this thing or at least a part of research is that we spend um 50 percent of our day dreaming our waking hours dreaming um and that's through daydreaming or the thing when you imagine you know i'm getting ready to go into this meeting automatically you'll 
have a, a narrative. You'll have a you'll have a narrative in your head, imagining what that meeting is going to be like or not be like, and probably play out a number of different scenarios in in a quick succession. So, even our daydreams are stories, and even when you go to sleep, our brain never actually sleeps. It stays up all night making up stories as well. I feel like most of my childhood was spent inside of stories. And the fun thing about kids, of course, is that they actually really enter the story. So while we kind of stay in what we think of as ourselves and we just daydream now, you know, made up scenarios as a way of kind of testing out different possibilities. You know, I I was actually telling my son this morning about how I used to dress up as Pippi Longstocking and, you know, I'd make my mom kind of dye my hair with food coloring and stick pipe cleaners in my my hair so that my plaits would, my braids would stick out to the side. And I was Robin Hood, like up in my tree, saving people for like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't know how many hours of my life. Deadly, serious fun. They're Mm. like, you know, it is. It's very deadly, serious fun. If you interrupt... Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it was really funny. I had some kind of, oh, I can't remember. It was really recently where I intervened on my little three-year-old's game, and he just looked at me like, I'm not (laughs) Eshin. I am whatever Transformer he was. I can't remember what he was playing at the moment, but I was like, what's wrong with you, lady? Yeah. yeah. I'm Sideswipe from, you know. Yeah, well, they get very immersed into it. Now, um... Let's take a quick break here. One of the things I wanted to address is the actual like narratives that we create for ourselves and which we live our lives by uh, in terms of writing your own script of your life, that, that yeah. kind of sort of space. And I guess closely related to what I was saying a little bit earlier about the the you know the myth or story collective story that yeah I've been reading some Joseph Campbell yeah pulling that back out yeah yeah. good okay you're listening to the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast I'm Clay Lowe the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast is a listener supported show which means it's brought to you by people like you if you pop over to HavanaCafeSessions.co.uk and click on the contribute page you'll find a number of different ways you can contribute to the show if you care to do so. Leaving a review on iTunes, subscribing to the show, or sharing it with a friend are a few options. These are very valuable contributions, as is something monetary, like setting up a reoccurring payment or contributing a pound an episode. Any and all options are very much appreciated. Thank you so very much for those of you who have already done so, and thank you in advance for anybody that is considering doing so in the future. All right, let's get back to the show. So there was a great quote from that storytelling animal that says, um, Neverland is the evolutionary niche, our, our evolutionary niche, our special habitat. In other words, that we spend so much time in story that it's the distinguishing feature of our species. And I was um, pulled back off the shelf, Joseph Campbell's Myths to Live By, uh, which is, every time I pick up that book, it's like brilliant. But um, he 
says pretty much the same thing, that the most distinguishing sign that distinguishes our species from the psychology of others, because we talk about like animals can feel different emotions and stuff, but the thing that we do that's very different is tell stories. So, and he says, you know, that we organize our lives according primarily to mythic laws, and that, that myth and the way that we construct story to explain and understand and, and have a lens into the world almost becomes primary in many cases above economic or practical forces. Yeah. So, yeah. I like that distinction between man and animals, that we have the ability to imagine the future, imagine something that's not there, whereas animals don't, or at least we don't. Yeah, but we, I mean, we it. tell com- very complicated stories. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, so he brings in, of course, like, so... You know, when I was thinking, like, all the different bits of importance of stories, you know, we have that, like, playing out future situations, which is a really practical aspect. Um, and, but there's also, I think, two other big things. One is that we have all these existential questions that, you know, that's yeah, why man. we're here. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so then our stories become a way of trying to address and engage with those questions. And that, you know, is anything from I'm aware of my mortality, how do I deal with that? What, wh- what kind of life should I live? What's my relationship to the universe? What's my relationship to, you know, society around me? And I'm that kind say, of there's structure. There's a relationship between, um, like, take animals, for instance, because they do play, animals play, and then their evolutionary aspect of play is to teach them how to be, you know, being a lying cub to being a lion. So they're practicing the skills that they need for survival. And yeah, I don't think play is always the same as story, is it? It's not, it's not no, within no, a story. No, no yeah. absolutely. So for us, as we're creating these narratives in our play, yeah. is that a function of helping us to, as you say, cope with understanding our place in the world, what, what, how we need to function in the world? I mean, I think, like, yeah, so I think some of it, like you're saying, some of it is, it can be really practical, like, mm. and then others, I think, is a bit more existential. And then, you know, of course, um, there's the whole Jungian aspect. So Jung brings up the whole psychology and the fact that although most of our attention and, and conscious awareness is directed outward so that we can deal with the challenges of our day, whatever, there's equal amount of inner forces at work inside of us and that's where myth and story help us organize those forces so you know our emotional worlds and stuff like that so you know yeah, yeah. Well, I'm gonna say what, what about um, your thoughts on the fact that maybe a story is just a story and it's just <gasps> pure escapism what? from the harshness of life because life just sucks all this working and doing all this stuff that stories are our escapist mechanism to help us to cope <laughs> with the realities of how much life sucks. <laughs> I think that... And that's uh, not to say that, you know, you're unhappy, but life is, is harsh and brutal and all that. I feel like we all have that desire sometimes after a hard day to just sit down in front of the TV and watch a good story. Like, for sure. No thinking, just boom, but disappear But I, I think that... There's never, no matter how silly and quote-unquote supposedly escapist a story is, we are always taking something in from that story. Which leads to my conspiracy theory that I threw back at you on the test 
tech. I'm not against conspiracy well. theories, by the way. <laughs> where, where the man is using those very same mechanisms to um, control our minds and program us into believing and doing the things that we... So what you were saying is that if I've... Uh, <laughs> Just like we're getting ready for the zombie apocalypse, man. Why do you think we've been having lots and lots of stories about zombies yeah. and... Vampires and all that stuff. No, vampires are... Vampires are over. A little bit, yeah. But AI and zombies. Am I like really out of the loop? He just just gave me this look like, yeah, vampires (laughs) were so last decade, man. Catch up. either going to be machines taking over the world or the zombie apocalypse. And the man is trying to get us ready for that, either one of those eventualities. I think that um, where I would absolutely agree with you is that there is a world of power mm. and people who have control over the mechanisms of distributing information, for instance, the media, government, you Hollywood. know, all kinds of stuff, yep, have an interest in us consuming certain stories over others. So, you know, I think that's true, okay. you know, and I think that, um, yeah. What about that Doctor Who episode where? The TV, this is how this one alien was invading the Earth, maybe. That was just a, a way of pointing our eyes and saying, yes, our governments are doing the same through that TV box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're pumping in what they want you to believe and to think um, through this mass, what no was the television, but now we've got the internet and all the other little things. No doubt, and you know, I think that, that's, the, that's the thing we have to be really aware of, is that, you know, as you said at the beginning, if story kind of bypasses some of our critical evaluative faculties, if we're told a story, we're much more susceptible to kind of getting involved with that story. You know what I'm so. going to do? I'm, I'm only going to tell stories from now on. The rest of my life is going to be telling people stories so I can move through the world and get what I want through stories. <laughs> that sounds good. So listen, there's a question here as of why are we addicted to stories? Like how come we can't seem to get away from them and we need them? Well, I, I suppose for all the reasons that, that we were talking about, that that's kind of how we're wired to take on information and to organize information, I think. And if, if we were to not have stories, that would make us not human? What I know from, you know, reading Joseph Campbell and and kind of archaeology and stuff is that ever since the beginning of man, there has been a link with myth. So ever since our species kind of arose, we've been telling stories. And what I found really interesting is that, and to think about like the history of our storytelling till we get to the present day and like what kind of stories we're telling now... It's like there was a time in which the kind of Garden of Eden, so an ideal paradise garden, a talking snake, and a great flood were themes of stories throughout the world between, you know, people who had no connection, you know, no contact between each other. So, you know, Joseph Campbell's this bit, you know, big comparative myth guy. So he looks at all these myths from kind of... Yeah long ago and and brings out these themes and goes, huh, if there was never really a flood or if there was never really a Garden of Eden or a Paradise Garden, like physically in the world, why is it that all of these different cultures seem to have these themes come up? You know, and, and so, you know, I suppose what we could say is that they're about something more 
than you know, ostensibly what they're about, and that the concerns at that time of humans, whereas now we've answered a lot of questions, haven't we, with science, so we understand, or we think we understand, why the world is how it is, and we understand a lot more about But the underlying narrative is still the same, isn't it? Well, now we have a scientific narrative for the, the evolution of the world, don't we? We have the Big Bang Theory and, mm. and physics and... But again, only stories, the theories are not... Yeah. Necessarily yeah, true. Yeah, but it's just different. Yeah. They're just different stories. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. a different story. So but it a story ma- you know, kind of makes me think then, like yeah. you know, what what stories are are really resonant now? Which brings me to the fact that I brought 1984 with ah, me because I nice. thought, hmm, yeah, it's a resonant. So apparently, you know, in the past year, all these uh, dystopian novels have have been selling out on Amazon. There we go. <laughs> well, I want to know more. I was even there was an interesting point in Jonathan's book as well was. Uh, even like um, like when you're watching sports, there's actually there's more there's narrative there. So, and it's, it's just as much of like a, any novel that you might read if you look at the way that they present the different teams, and then you make the yeah, sports yeah, yeah. Per- personalities into personalities, okay. and so you still have underneath those same building blocks of story. So, how does story events. help you? How does story help me? Like, what do you do with story? So if we like, go, like if agree, I read yeah, yeah, it's important, and right, yeah, like, yeah, it's you everywhere. Like watching story as in watching movies and reading books? or Like, what, like specifics. Like, yeah. what stories help you? Like, in this week or yeah. in this month, what well, story way, what, what is story, in your head? Yeah, well, stories, for me, one of the things that I get when I consciously engage with a story is it just helps me to think about some of the things that I think about all the time. So I see them played out. Like, I, when I read novels uh, or even when I'm looking at like we were talking um, a few weeks back when I was talking about watching Breaking Bad and Buffy the Vampire Slayer again but watching them with a different set of eyes um, and understanding and this helping me to formulate my or clarify my thinking around um, I guess philosophical concepts and 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 I want to say moral concepts, or just yeah, how to how to live or how to be human, or what does it mean to be human? Do you have a, any thing. specific thing that's come up? Um, well, I was I think I wrote on my on one of my blog posts when I was talking about uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and there was an episode where they were dealing with virtual reality, um, and it made me think a little bit different about. We keep calling it virtual reality, but is it actually reality? It's reality when you're engaging with it. And one of the characters in there was saying, it's like if you're not, you know, there is no virtual reality, it's all reality. And if you're not plugged in, then you're not. It's all just happening in our heads anyway, isn't it? Yeah, and in a sense, it's all happening in our heads. And so we keep wanting to pawn it off as virtual reality, but in your engagement, in the same way that we're talking here, when you are in quotation marks virtual reality you are in a reality and it's just as real to you as us sitting here at this table so you know it helps me with those things it helps me with um trying to think what else i was i was watching the better call Saul, and i was it made me think about this concept of or rethink the end the means justifying the end and you know, yeah. If if you're going to get to the right end, does it give you more flexibility to do things with the means, mm. knowing that you're going to get to the correct end? And to what extent can you do do that? Yeah. Um, I this, uh, you know. So when we were kind of texting about the topic, 
and thinking, okay, try and find like a couple of stories or something that really have helped you recently. I'm sitting there this morning and last night, like looking at my bookshelf, and it was so hard to choose even one or two because actually every time I would kind of go, oh, well, that story helped me like think about that question, and that okay, that story helped me think about that question. So, for instance, I pulled one of the books I pulled off this morning was a book called My which is a Hindi translation that I studied when I was yeah. doing all my Indian studies. And uh, it's, it basically means mother. And it's about a... It's told from the viewpoint of a young girl, and she is living in a... Ugh, living in a joint family. And she sees her mother always as really weak and subservient to the grandmother, who's kind of the matriarch. But that story, really, in her her transition in that story is about how she realizes her mother is actually very strong in many ways and that she fights for the things that really matter when it comes down to it and so you know things like how to be a mother and how to be how someone can be both weak and strong and I was thinking about that you know that that's really the the great thing about story and you know I was thinking about Homeland for this as a totally different Mm. um, angle but I'm a big Homeland fan and it's such a topical show in terms of the kind of moral and political questions we're facing. And, uh, you know, in that show, one of the great things about it is showing all of the grays, showing that somebody can be good and bad, yeah, yeah. that they can have really good intentions and accidentally do really terrible things or have really bad intentions overall, but have a soft spot for certain things you know so all of these which is which is actually real and this is i suppose the difference between some of the stories that we get fed through the media and stuff Mm. where things are black and white whereas other more complex stories like you're saying you know just the end justify the means and how things are a lot more messy and complicated and shades of gray in real life yeah i think so you just i was making you made me think about what what book when I was going to say when I'm in times of wanting comfort or something, but I'm just trying to think what books, what fictional books do I turn to often and reread, mm. like when I'm trying to recenter or reground myself. And one that I that quite read, go to return back to is, is a Starship Trooper. Okay. It's a Heinlein book. Um, and it's about, because it deals with, like what does it mean to be a citizen and duty versus you know duty to self, duty to others, and what does those concepts mean? Um, and I return to that one quite often. Um, yeah, it's yeah. one of my staples. I pull off the thing to flick through that R- Rosencrantz and Guildenstern uh, play, Tom Stoppard one. That's there's you've seen my copy of it. It's all dog-eared and marked up. <laughs> Um, I return to that one quite often. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I have little, you know, Buddhist stories that I, you know, kind of hold in my head that mm. are much more kind of short and uh, lacking in detail. Like mm. they're, you know, kind of a story that, that illustrates a point. But the, those really help me because in situations, you know, when it's a story, there, there's a fluidity to it. You can apply it to different situations in your life. So, yeah, 
Yeah. You know. Love song of JF for Proof Rock, Hollow Men, my short stories yeah, or poems, right. I always return to those. Yeah. And it's mainly about when when I go to reach for a fictional book in that sense, it's usually when I'm trying to remember or remind myself of of I guess my sense of self in the world. Yeah. Yeah. But then also you think about all the ones like I was thinking about the Da Vinci Code. Like, why did I love the Da Vinci Code? Oh, and, I love that one. Well, the, the mystery of books yeah, and stuff. And ah, the, symbols. <laughs> you I know, love that. Um, and the book was great. Celestine Prophecy like. as well, which I just reread over Christmas. And then also my, my kids have just started watching this amazing cartoon called The Deep on yeah. Netflix. And it's all about this family that's an adventure family, and they're kind of looking for a lost civilization that's like six thousand years old under the water with the all these Dumas symbols. And, if yeah. you like the Da Vinci, oh, yeah. yes, you got to do Dumas Club. If you love books, but then I suppose the thing <laughs> yeah. is, I think we we say, oh, you know, the Da Vinci yeah. Code. This isn't high yeah. literature, but it's these stories speak to us in a different yeah. different ways. Like you know, what is the myth that there's a mystery that that we're longing for there to be kind of a bit of a, more of a meaning to stuff. Yeah. That's great Did you just, because you just jogged my memory there as well, because you said these, it's not high literature, because I was thinking about um, an example that came up, because music is, has stories, are miniature stories as well. Um, and while classical or maybe jazz doesn't have a narrative at the top, the th- popular music by definition is mostly these little songs yeah which are miniature stories and generally about a boy and a girl and and yeah. you know these things um so yeah so even our music we are consuming stories through through those uh, and yeah popular and 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 you graduate that point as well because this is a and this is a it's a recent it's not it's recent return to because i was thinking there's got to be some value in pop culture. I think we had a conversation about this a couple episodes back and returning back to um, utilizing pop culture to to sift through and understand like the topics that we're talking about here. So there's a very popular series that's going on at the moment where look at pop culture and philosophy. They look they take all these different shows like there's one I read on Batman and philosophy and it's and all the different concepts that you can see being played out in the in the um, the Nolan versions of Batman, the Dark Knight series. Um, there's philosophy in the um, Simpsons. So they take all these popular shows and point, bring out all the different philosophical concepts that are being played out in front of people. That maybe they don't. You know, a lot of people maybe they don't even realize it, but you know, they're there. That's what I think. Into, that's what I I do believe that you can be consuming what seems like the most escapist bit and you yeah. can be there for the reason of escapism but you're still taking stuff in yeah you know because bypassing that critical filter isn't yeah it? that's and, right uh, that's right yeah so um you know i i can do a little bit of a cheat here with what's with story and and what my important story is because of course i wrote it <laughs> oh yes there you, go. you know so you know i was just thinking about the fact that i am more drawn than anything else to the narrative of the kind of hero's journey. Hmm. And, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, we're both sitting here, we're seekers, and we're, we're after some kind of 
more greater understanding of stuff the and your, truth. yeah or the the you know the mystery and and all that kind of stuff and so you know I'm always drawn to those kind of stories as well and those if if I go back and read stuff it's all of those stories that are about the seeking of wisdom or understanding of you know the nature of life and our place in the world and all That's that kind like of the mystery all that good stuff but um you know I think that there was there's kind of two things that I, that that are parts of my story that I that it, it, which is the boatman, um, that are part of the questions I was trying to answer. So I feel like you know for me the way that I understand something is by trying to write it, and then through that process I feel like I kind of the the understanding of something kind of comes into my bones a bit. Um, you know, so, so when I was writing The Boatman, the main question on my mind was how do we make meaning with our life? And so all, if we know we're going to die, how do we make our lives meaningful? And so all of the different characters kind of represent paths that you can take. So, you know, my main character starts off by trying to um, do something with her life. So it's more about like accomplishment and maybe I can change a bit of the world even if it's a small bit you know and I think we all we, a lot of us take that path like yeah. okay I'm gonna do something with my life and another main character decides that he's gonna try and get a bit of immortality with fame and kind of establish that his name and another character is all about exploring um kind of how you find meaning within your relationship with na- the natural world and stuff so you know, so so it's kind of for me. It was writing that book was about exploring that story. Yeah. That was a deeper story than just the the surface level story that yeah, I told, yeah, yeah. which is about a girl on an island and blah blah blah. But you know, the other the other really important part of that story for me um, is then how does that individual hero's journey path intersect with the story of power in the world? So we have that, you know, we're all individuals working on this massive stage of politics and money and influence and stuff like that. And so, you know, the story that I wrote is also about how that individual path intersects or, you know, engages with the realities of of the world of power. So, you know, for me, like the, you know, it's for me, the underlying story is always really apparent and because that's why I'm there, yeah. you know? But I do think that whether or not we are there for that reason, we still take it on. We still take it on. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I was just thinking of Shakespeare's All the World's a Stage. Do you know well, that? Well, that's true. Do you, do you, yeah. rem- do you remember it? Do you yeah, remember and we're all players that's playing it. our part. Yeah. You, got, you know it? Go on. Oh, no, I can't quote it exactly. Oh, come on. All the World's a Stage and we are, but... Players <laughs> okay. playing our part. I was going to try and Google it real quick because I wanted to say it. Because my other one, the one that I had to memorize in high school was the, um, the out, out, brief shadow, life with a walking shadow, oh, a oh, brief I, player. That that one, yes. So I did, uh, did bubble, bubble, toil and trouble, cauldron burn and something. Oh, bubble. I love it. So, yes, I think we could probably go on for a long time about stories and on different levels. Um, so I think we should revisit this not revisit this topic at what we covered today, but take some more 
branches off of this. Tributaries. Yeah, because the there's also Amazon this idea River. that you can rewrite your own um, sense of self by changing the narrative that you have in your head about yeah. how life is and what life is. And you can, if you can change that narrative, you know, you can change your, your life. So Yeah, I think that's very true. I think we can, we can have that for another issue. Sounds maybe good. maybe episode number 100 will pick back up that um, the narrative of your life. That sounds good. Let's do it. <laughs> there you go. All right. Awesome. So number 50. There it is. See you at 51. See you at 51. This episode of the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast is brought to you by people just like you, wonderful listeners. So thank you very much. If you have a spare second and you want to click over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review or just some stars, that really helps us out a lot and helps other people find us who might enjoy the show. And if you would like to contribute to the show, then you can contribute as little as a pound an episode or less than a coffee an episode. Um... If you head over to HavanaCafeSessions.co.uk and click on the Contribute button, you'll find all kinds of different ways that you can help us out. Thank you so much if you have already contributed in some way or if you're thinking about contributing and really even just telling other people who you think might enjoy the podcast or um, joining in the conversation is very, very helpful. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Sarah Hunt, and on behalf of Clay Lowe, goodbye, and we'll see you next week.